0: Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host Tom Sutton. By gar, it's been a while. Um, As you probably know, my rule for the show is I only record if I'm in the mood. That's the whole point of the podcast. So, I gotta say, I'm actually, I'm excited to be recording today. Uh, it's been a big Star wars day for me, um, and there's been, you know, a lot of good stuff uh, recently in the Star Wars galaxy to talk about. Um, just uh, on me, um, yeah, the biggest news is that I've actually decided to move back to Australia from Sweden, where I've been living for almost 10 years. Um, that's a big thing, yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I came here to play, play music. Um, I had an amazing time with the, the bands that I played with. Um, and, uh, once those bands kind of came to an end, I, you know, I was, I love it here in Sweden. My, like my friends here are the best and I, uh, you know, was trying to figure out what to do next and, um. All my big decisions, you know, have all kind of been uh, made on the basis of uh, intuition, um, feeling my way forward. And uh, after my bands broke up, just that next door never really opened up. So, um, you know, I I wasn't able to visit... Um, Australia for some time, um, because a financial situation, it's pretty expensive to fly from Sweden to Australia, but also it was, of course, uh, the big C-19 that got in the way, um, so yeah, uh, it was, it had been five years since I went back, so obviously I did a couple of episodes while I was in Australia, that was good, um, but, yeah, eventually I did find where I figured I wanted to be next. And that is um, the Gold Coast in Queensland. Anyone who knows me will probably <clears throat> think, what? <clears> because, you know, I, I'm Mr. Like, I hate hot weather. I like the cold. I like spooky forests and creepy graveyards and all that stuff, you know. And uh, I'm literally moving to uh, a surfing area. <laughs> but, um, yeah, beautiful rainforests and the beaches there. And there's just um, the the climate and the... Um, I don't know. There's just a feeling like life is just kind of exploding out of the earth in a very natural, beautiful way. And uh, when I, while I was there, I just had this feeling of like it gives that kind of environment gives you permission to just be happy regardless of what your situation is you know it gave me a feeling of like not having to earn the air i was breathing which you know a lot of a lot of situations do um so it was great there and um that's it i'm moving at the end of october uh yes i'm going to take my star wars stuff that was a big decision of course um it's pretty expensive to ship stuff uh overseas even by boat. And so of course I did think, should I just get rid of everything and just go with a single um like a single suitcase and one guitar or something? But um no. That would be weird. I really love my Star Wars art of books, so I'm not getting rid of them. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That's my big news um let's get into the the star wars chat so what a fun day today was um i actually went to a star wars convention the f- probably is it the first one i've even been to since star wars celebration japan in 2008 or whatever i think so i would not have even known that this thing was on except that uh my good friend yarik messaged me and said there's like a small star wars convention on saturday Do you want to go And so I of course said yes Um, I think it was mainly like considered like a collector's convention Um, But uh, they actually had some guests Um, So that was cool So we went there and uh, yep, they had a bunch of stalls set up They had also, I think, you know, there's this It's, I guess you call it a martial art kind of called LudoSport Sport. Which is basically lightsaber fighting. Um, uh, so they had, they you know had the chance for, you know people were, could go and have a, have a try of that and stuff as well. Um, I went there, like I basically told myself, I need to find a Bodhi rook. Bodhi rook, Bodhi rook pilot um i told myself if i find that figure i need to buy it because uh when it comes to rogue one i've got all the kind of the main heroes except him um and so i th- i told myself i'm at least going to grab that if i see it um and they had one there was one there one one body rook figure in the whole place and i grabbed it um now oh uh, i've said this before like i, I don't really get Covetous over a lot of physical stuff The only thing that really hits me in the um, Hit me in the want button Is that it? Yeah. Anyway It's Star Wars stuff Star Wars toys um, And yeah, they had I mean <laughs> 50 figures that I would have liked to have bought um, But I'll I tell you what So um, Sweden is a, Is almost a cashless society at this point um so i went there with no cash and guess what my phone the internet on my phone was not really working so um i wasn't able to buy anything and i I asked my friend he he had some cash so he gave me some cash to buy the body rook figure but i didn't buy anything else and i was just wondering was this the universe telling me calm down tom you're moving countries in two months Because, man, so many amazing figures that I would have loved to have picked up. But, um, yeah, the universe stepped in and gave me the self-control that I would have otherwise lacked, I believe. Um, But, yeah, cool to get that figure after looking for ages for one. Um, So that's good. Uh, Oh, well, let's say, I I would say the highlight was this. Um, The guests were... Um, I guess I can. I'll pull up their names because um, it's worth giving their names properly. Here we go. Sean Crawford, who played Yakface. David Stone, who played. Now, I did. I wasn't aware of this character's name until today. Weoslia. Who is Weoslia? You ask. You might remember in A New Hope, um, Luke and Obi Wan go to sell Luke's speeder. That character, with the weirdest, biggest, wackiest head, and the Jedi robes, basically, that's Weoslia. So um, this guy played that character. Apparently, he also played um, an X Wing pilot, I think, in the briefing scene, maybe, in Empire Strikes Back, and he played a B-Wing pilot in Return of the Jedi. Um, I don't know if that if he's actually even on screen there, but anyway. Uh, in addition to them, there was uh, Peter Ross, who played Nikto, John Simpkin, who played Klaatu, so two Return of the Jedi characters, and the great Mike Quinn, who played Nien Nom. Uh, he was the puppeteer who played... Then in Return of the Jedi and then he of course stuck the big rubber head on for uh the Force Awakens. Um, sadly we were a bit late to uh, take po- to be in there for Mike Quinn's Q and A, um, but I did uh, go say hi to him later on and he was super nice. But um yeah these uh these guys um who got you know. Got interviewed a bit and then took some questions. Wow, what a bunch of uh, fun guys. Uh, it was amazing. Like, I mean, obviously, these characters are hardly, um, what would you say, like, uh, <laughs> hardly the headliners. But I just remember, I was just sitting there going, This isn't just a dude talking about Star Wars. This guy is in Star Wars. Like, that's mental. I mean, just sitting there and going like, that guy was on Jabba's sail barge. This guy stood there in Jabba's palace, the real one, with Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and Artoo and three PO and Bib Fortuna and they. They were there, they watched it go down. Like they're, they are part of Star Wars, and um, it was so cool. Um, there were some cool stories, like stuff that I had never heard before. Which at this point is pretty amazing when you are talking about um, original trilogy stuff. Let me share a story with you. Um, okay, my favorite was uh, my favorite story was from Peter Ross, who played Nikto. Um, apparently, uh, you know, a lot of these kind of characters, he spent a lot of time in the green room just waiting to get called up to go do do something. Um, apparently, he got called up and he was expecting a bunch of his other kind of background, background character mates to go with him, but they said, no, we just want you actually. Um, and they set him up looking out, you know, one of the um, viewports on Jabba's sail barge. And apparently, George Lucas came to shoot him him, um, to shoot him on, not, not on the cameras that they, the normal cameras that they'd been using to shoot the film on, but on a hand-cranked old vintage camera. And it was George Lucas himself. And he said, apparently told Peter Ross, like, all right, I want you to look out the window. Uh, I want you to kind of be a bit perplexed by what you're seeing out there. Peter Ross said, I was only 20. I didn't even know what the word perplexed meant. <laughs> but he did Did the best he could And apparently George Lucas told him This isn't for the movie This is actually for my personal collection This camera is act- Was actually The camera used to film Gone with the Wind <laughs> Can you imagine that? Imagine that so that was a great story. Um another cool story from David Stone, who played We Um I think it was maybe hmm. Anyway, it was in one of the hangar bay sets. So would that have been Yavin Four or maybe the um X- Oops. Bit of a technical glitch there. Um Maybe the Echo Bass set. Apparently, uh, you know, it was shot at Elstree Studios. And um, apparently they had problems where, like, birds would get in. And then overnight the birds would, you know, just be sleeping up in the rafters of the studio. And they would arrive the next morning to start shooting and there would be bird shit on the set. Um so apparently they said to David Stone, listen, we can um, earn a bit of an extra paycheck if you be our official bird sheet cleaner-upper. And he said, all right, they'll do that. So he cleaned it up and then he had the very clever idea of taking some leftover just sheet plastic or whatever. And at the end of the day, at the end of shooting each day, he would just um, lay this sheet plastic over everything on the set. And the next morning he would arrive and pick up all this uh, plastic, chuck it in a corner somewhere, and uh, that was it. So <laughs> he was weoslia, he was a, an X-Wing pilot, he was a B-Wing pilot, but he was also in charge of cleaning up bird shit in the studio. So that was another story I've not heard before, so that was pretty fun. Uh, Good fun. So, yeah, it was just, like, so cool. And, like, it was a small convention and the people, you know, uh, I, Yarrick, and Leave, um we were there front row for uh, each of the four guys that we went to listen to. And, um, yeah, mental, just to be sitting there going, like, these dudes are in Star Wars. Um, yeah, so that was super fun. Um, oh, another fun thing. So my first ever proper job... Was working at a diner in on Hindley Street in Adelaide called Fast Eddie's. To be honest, I still have nightmares about it to this day. I found the whole experience extremely hard. <laughs> um, I got better at, you know, better at doing that kind of shit as time went on. But man, it was it sucked really badly. Um, but um, in the takeaway area, we had a Star Wars pinball machine. And so, I and friends would uh, sometimes go play Star Wars pinball uh, on our breaks. Um, And lo and behold, at this convention, they had about five Star Wars pinball machines. And that one was there. So, I got to play this, again, this Star Wars pinball machine that I hadn't played for, I reckon, 23 years. Um, So, man... That was uh, pretty nostalgic. So, yep. That was awesome too. Uh yeah, I let's see um I'm not sure if there are these kind of small conventions in Australia. Let's see what happens when I get there. All right. Um now I'm I have to say I'm a bit surprised at myself that I mean an Obi-Wan Kenobi show was airing weekly over the space of five weeks. And I only recorded an episode for the first two. That seems unthinkable to me. Well, part of the reason was that I was just in Australia and just in that space and um, didn't feel like... I just didn't feel like picking up the microphone. But part of it was that I I wasn't blown away by the show, I have to say. Um, but I, it's a great time to talk about it because, uh, this week I actually watched all six episodes over the space of two evenings, three episodes per evening. Um, cause I thought, oh, it's crazy. I've only watched all these episodes twice each. That's mental. Like, um, when it comes to new Star Wars, like with the TV shows, my system is generally watch the episode twice on that, on the day it comes out. And then once again, during the week and then the next episode comes out. Um but oh yeah, being at my brother's house, I was a bit like hesitant to force him to watch these episodes three times each. Um so yeah, I did them all maybe twice. Um So I thought, yeah, come on. Let's do it. Let's uh do it like almost like two movies in a way. Um Okay, let's go sandwich technique. Positive, negative, positive. Positive. Um, there were some kick-ass sequences and, and moments and scenes in the show. Um, I think I can say very confidently that the last episode was my favorite. Obviously, the um, Obi-Wan and Vader stuff, it's already become pretty iconic in a way because, you know, some of the uh, images and the um, the dialogue were really great. I think Vader had some great dialogue in the series. Um, you know, "I am what you made me." Uh, Anakin Skywalker is gone. I am what remains. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Um, some great stuff. Um yeah, and I think I mean the fight was dynamic and exciting. Quite creative. I mean, it's it's quite um, kind of, it really had an impact on me. Stuff like just seeing Obi-Wan just wailing on uh, Vader's chest. Control box with the butt of the lightsaber. That was amazing. Um, I mean, the rocks. Everyone loves the rocks. (laughs) That kicked ass. I mean, it could have looked really cheap. Uh, but it didn't. It looked awesome. Um, the splitting o- open of the helmet was awesome. It was really well done. I just think... So, you see, like, Obi-Wan do this kind of flying leap. And the leap looks good. But then when he actually does the strike, it... To me, it looked like a first take or something. It looked really... It just looks really uncool. <laughs> Sorry. Which is unfortunate because it's such a moment, you know. Um... Yeah. So that was great the um the flashbacks in episode um 5. Episode 5 was great too. The flashback uh scenes were cool. Like obviously, you know, um aesthetically maybe not my favorite, but um the two dudes were good in those scenes. Um yeah. It was cool and yeah, I mean episode 5. That that moment when um Ned B kind of is trying to protect Tala and Tala sacrifices herself. I was choking up, getting choked up over that. I love Tala. I think she was a great character. Um, Ned B was great. Yeah. And, you know, Lil Leia was a hit. She was fantastic. Um, Ooh, I mean, Baru and Owen in episode six were fantastic. Both of them really good. Um. Yeah, so it had some great moments. I just like I'm I'm not at all the first person to say this, but and I think I said it when I talked about the first two episodes. To me it just it it just didn't like visually it just I thought it was not very strong. Mandalorian and Boba Fett have had episodes that came close to the movies and episodes that came less close. Um, I just think there were... There was quite a lot with Obi-Wan Kenobi that just felt flat or small or muddy looking or something. Um... There's like, <laughs> a bit of an unfortunate thing. Someone did it like put two images to, next to each other. The f- one image was from Fallen Order, which <sighs> Fallen Order hails, man. Like, what a game. That I had, man, I played the whole thing through twice while I was in Australia. It's fucking awesome. So, someone took a shot of uh, the Fortress Inquisitorius from Fallen Order, and it's this amazing vista. Like, it's just like, crazy looking sunset and all this color in the sky and you see like the weight of um mustafa hanging in the in the in the sky and it's it's extremely just stylish and cool looking and then you see the shots of the fortress inquisitorius in the obi-wan show and it's just like a black blob in up against grey overcast sky and grey water and it's just like... This is just dull looking. Sorry, you know. Um, there are multiple moments. Like, I think... Like, uh, I've probably talked before about the rule of cool. Like, if it's cool, then, like, if it's not that believable or realistic or whatever um, or if there's little... If they, you know, if you're, if they stretch your ability to um, suspend disbelief, um, like if it's just one, if it's awesome and it's like a thing here or there, then you can kind of be like, it's cool, I don't care. It's just it's awesome, and the fact that this doesn't, it's not totally realistic is fine. But I just feel like Obi Wan, the Obi Wan series was just full of these kind of moments like in episode four when they're on the fortress inquisitorius and like tala is in this control room with this microphone like just talking to obi-wan kenobi and like people are sitting two meters away or something like did they not hear her some officer comes and says, like this isn't your station and he says come with me and she goes and she like like chokes the guy out like Like, behind a thing, which is, like, four meters away from the rest of these dudes just sitting there. Like, did they not hear a guy getting choked out? It was just, like, okay. Um, And that was just, like, I don't know. There's so much shaky cam in the show. And I I like shaky cam, actually. But maybe Star Wars has kind of a visual language that, like, I think you have to rein that in a little bit. Um. Uh yeah, episode 3 like how did um the third sister get ahead of Leia? Uh, like I guess you can go like ah oh, well she that tunnel I guess was leading to this spaceport and she knew where that ton- where that they must be going so she just went there above ground I guess or I don't know. But it doesn't really explain it. Um there were a lot of moments like that, to me, um, that just made you make made me go like, uh, "What?" And again, like, how did she, like in episode six? Well, at the end of episode five, she um, picks up this damaged damaged communicator, and she hears like. Um, just a few words of the message and somehow she makes this leap to understanding that the that Owen's son Luke is Anakin Skywalker's son and I'm just like how what like I don't understand how she came to that um to that um assumption really from that those few words um yeah so I didn't think it, it just a lot of it felt B grade to me. I have, to, I really, I'm sorry, it just did. Um, I thought that uh, the was sometimes cool, but sometimes, like in that first episode, uh, where they're trying to smoke out that uh, that um, fugitive Jedi, and she takes it, and he like. He kind of breaks for it. She takes a swing, and there she does. She has this kind of angry face, and I'm just like, doesn't, it doesn't look cool. And again, I mean, the Grand Inquisitor doesn't look good. Sorry, he looks terrible. I think like, like ridiculous. Actually, I don't like the outfit. I don't like the look of his head. <laughs> um, and. Then you go like, so hang on. So Reva survived getting stabbed by Vader in Order 66 and then the Grand Inquisitor survived getting stabbed by Reva and then Reva survives getting stabbed again by Darth Vader in Episode 5 of the show and it's just getting a bit like, uh, yeah. Um, And the music, I thought, was really... Average. A lot of it was was like to me. It was like very obviously like synth orchestra, and it just was like there was there were there were a couple of cool moments, I reckon. But otherwise, it just felt like a very basic attempt. Uh, Yeah. So some magic moments. I don't think my sandwich sandwich technique is really working. Like it doesn't help that I just finished episode, uh, season 4 of uh, Stranger Things which was fucking magnificent. Like just how many like story threads there are and how they're woven together perfectly. How like how many characters are there and they all get an arc and they all get their these amazing moments each one of them. And the the performances are top shelf. This is the thing, like, I remember I was watching um, this scene where Max from Stranger Things is talking at her brother's grave, and I mean, how old is that actor? Like, she's a teenager, and she's just destroying that scene, kicking ass, you know, like, it breaks your heart when you just hear her talking, you know, and I just like, Man, I just want Star Wars to be operating at the highest level it possibly can be. So, um, it's funny, like, the general reaction has been pretty split. There are some people who've loved Obi Wan Kenobi and people who didn't like it. Um, I appreciate uh, some big aspects of it. I just thought that um, overall, I. Like I really thought, okay, so I've probably mentioned before that when I watch the films, the things that I don't dig bother me the most on that first viewing usually. Um, And then once I kind of know they're there and I know that they're coming, they bother me less as time goes on. Um, So I kind of thought, all right, I'm going to give Obi-Wan a big rewatch I really sink into it, and I actually came out liking it less than on the original viewings. I mean, there were times when I was just sitting there, like, like just being, like, not very pumped about it, which for Star Wars is pretty unusual. All right. So that's my end of season Obi-Wan thought, (laughs) my single Obi-Wan thought Thank goodness for Andor. Oh! I'm I'm going to slap my notebook down a bit harder. Here we go. Ooh! Andor. Okay, we've got two things to talk about. Andor released the quote-unquote full trailer. I mean, last, um, last episode, I believe the teaser had just come out, and I was going absolutely bonkers for that. And... I think I went even more bonkers for the full trailer. That it just I think I described myself as just vibrating from head to toe after watching that trailer. Like just the the music, the vibe, the visual quality, um quite in, we'll get to that in a minute, but visually it just to me that was the closest we've seen um the closest we've gotten to big screen Star Wars and the small screen it just looked so classy, so well put together. Some really like big scale shots. And um just what we see of those of the characters. Um not just the ones we know, like Andor, Saw Gerrera and the one and only Modern Mothma. Salute. But even like the the new characters that we're meeting for the first time, they just uh, come across so well on screen, and um, it just I just felt like oh, it's like pumping Star Wars pure just pure like hyper fuel through my my veins. <laughs> I've watched that thing over and over again, and I get pumped every single time. I think it's both the teaser. And the main, the full trailer have been absolute, like ten out of ten trailers. Well done to whoever um, put them together, because just rules. Now, what you what you did see? So there, I'm not, as I said, I'm not the only one who uh, felt like Obi Wan Kenobi visually was not what it could have been. Um, so what you then saw is that when that trailer dropped, a lot of people were like, "What? What? Why does a show about Cassian Andor, who is a popular enough character but is hardly like a list, why does that look better than the Obi Wan Kenobi show, who is a, you know, a um, generation-spanning, f- total top favorite character?" Yeah, well um the you know the uh, the showrunner Tony Gilroy did say that they're not using the volume. It's all uh locations and sets and green screen. Um so I guess that's it. That's the reason. Um there is a difference between replicating a, an environment on the volume and actually going out and being there. Um one thing that you kind of notice is like I mean, I remember watching uh, episode three of Kenobi and, you know, Kenobi's kind of like running away from Vader to try to lead him away from people. And um, he seems to be running as slowly as possible. <laughs> and I think it's just that like when you're on the volume, you just kind of have nowhere to go. Like you're, you're in a studio. You can't move that far for very long before you run out of volume to run in front of. Um Whereas uh, Andor, you've got uh, the traditional sets and locations to give you some space and uh, some scope and some scale. And um, now, I think the volume's an incredible tool. We've seen it used brilliantly. Um, There are a couple of episodes of um, The Mandalorian, which I I feel like look so amazing, you know. Um, and you know, my favorite episode of Star Star Wars TV so far, which is, uh, chapter five of the book of Boba Fett. That's the volume being used like to perfection. Um, so obviously it is a great piece of equipment. Um, but, uh, I mean, I remember when it like. It came out and people were acting like, oh, my God, it's like the second coming of Christ. I did feel a little bit like, all right, all right, calm down, you know. (laughs) Um, And it seems like people have calmed down a bit too much now. They're acting like, fuck the volume. But, you know, that is dumb. Sorry. Obviously, um, it's a tool and it has its limitations the same as any other tool. So you if you use it well, it's good. if you use it badly, it sucks. pretty straight. Um, but having said that, man, those both those trail and/ or trailers look like absolutely nuts, you know. I mean this is it. like I'm watching I watched the, the that first episode of House of the Dragon. Fantastic. It comes out hard hitting, man. It looks amazing. The, it sets up so much plot in that first episode. You already know like where a whole bunch of tensions are. You can see where stuff's going. It feels big. It feels um, amazing. Even a show like I watched another episode of the latest series, season of um, of um, what we do in the shadows. That show is incredible. Like it moves at a really exciting pace. It's funny as hell. And visually, I think it's one of the best-looking shows on TV, even though it's a sitcom. Um, kicks ass, you know. So I just... Stranger Things for, uh, Stranger Things as well. You know, like, I just see stuff like that, and I just go, like, come on, Star Wars. You've got to be at or above that level, please. So it just feels like maybe Andor is going to be that. Um, yeah, my excitement levels are uh, just... Off the scale. Now, following up from that amazing trailer, they then released a, um, a short clip. Um, it's a great little scene between Luthen something or other played by um, Stellan Skarsgård and... Um, I'm moving back to Australia, so I'm just going to pronounce his name English style. Stellan Skarsgård and uh, Cassian Andor himself... Um and it it rocked. It's just two dudes talking, but it just rocked. The dialogue was like spicy, the performances were like intense and good and cool. The camera work was fantastic. The environment they were in just looked cool. I think that's a good sign. If you can have like a 1 minute scene of just two dudes talking, and you're like glued to the TV. Um, that now they re-released Rogue One in certain IMAX theaters. Not here in Gothenburg, thanks very much. But apparently there was a, a another like kind of um, sneak peek at uh, Andor, and uh, I have seen someone you know filmed it. Obviously, chucked that on Twitter, so I I have seen it. Um, it was, it's that same scene, but the, uh, a a longer version, including some action when the action kicks off. And again, it was awesome. And the action scene looked big and awesome. I was watching, obviously (laughs) filmed by someone on their phone in a theater and then, uh, then watching that on my phone. So not exactly the, um, a one v- audio visual presentation, but um, it seemed super kick ass, and um, yeah, now I really hope that um, the show lives up to the huge expectations that have been generated by these great trailers and stuff. Um, but as, as always with Star Wars, I go in expecting the best and um cross my fingers you know uh, i'm not going to sit around going like oh i don't want to get my hopes up i'm getting my hopes up and the good news is that andor is the first season is running 12 episodes baby three episodes on the fir- on release day that's going to be an amazing day in star wars history so that's what nine nine weeks of andor and then the second and final season will also be 12 episodes apparently and those episodes apparently are going to be uh, split into three blocks. Uh, three blocks of four each um, each of those four episodes. Apparently, <laughs> oh my God, can I say apparently again, please? Uh, going to be like a different year in uh, Cassian's life. So I think we're going like five years before Rogue One is season one. And then... The next like three years or whatever, or yeah, are represented by those three blocks in season two or whatever, something like that, which is a very novel idea, quite exciting. Um, man, I hope it just crushes because Obi Wan Kenobi, a bit disappointing. Boba Fett was awesome in lots of ways, but I think the overall, the, the, the story, the logic of the story was kind of all over the place. Um, It was like a great... It has three of my favorite episodes of Star Wars TV ever, but overall was a bit wobbly, you know? Like a table with three amazing legs, but one of the legs is just missing. (laughs) So it's just that one missing leg is enough to destabilize the whole thing, sadly. Um... So if Andor could um hit a home run that would really do good do me good I think. Um when are we going to get some like solid info on on the movies? They've said that uh Taika Waititi's film is going to be first off the ra- off the ranks. I'm a bit like um so Thor, Thor Love and Thunder I went to see it. I liked it a lot. Um I know some people didn't. Um I don't know. Like, I just, I want, I just want them to take, I want them to take their time and also to hurry up. (laughs) Take your time to figure out what you're doing, plan it properly, get the talent all lined up, smash it hard, but also do it as soon as possible because I really miss Star Wars on the big screen. All right. What else we got to talk about? Um oh are you watching Light and Magic the documentary series directed by none other than Lawrence Kasdan that um document the documentary that documents the uh, amazing work uh, the amazing history of ILM I've only watched 3 episodes I think that's I'm I'm halfway through but I I'm telling you If you're listening to this right now, let me tell you this. It's easy to get disappointed in humanity sometimes. We all do. Humanity can be a big box of shit from time to time. But if you want something that's going to reaffirm your love for human beings, watch Light and Magic. It is incredible. Like, we're three episodes in, we're still, I don't think we've even gotten to Return of the Jedi yet. But the, the creativity, the skill level, the warmth between the people involved, the, just, the, the daring, knowing that you don't know how to do it and trying. There's an, oh, there's an amazing sequence where Dennis Murin talks about, George Lucas came to him. And said, "I have an idea for a shot. This is what I want. Can you do it?" Dennis Muren said, "No, <laughs> it's literally impossible." George Lucas said, "All right, okay. You sure?" Dennis Muren said, "Nah. It's, it's like it's you just no. It's, you, you, we couldn't possibly do that." George said, "All right. Just think about it, though. All right." All right. Dennis, Dennis said, "Yeah, okay. I guess I'll think about it." Within 15 minutes, he had figured it out in his head. (laughs) I love that. That I mean, you got to watch it. That story. I'm not doing the story justice. It's fucking incredible. Um, John Dykstra. What a what a rock star. Like, I mean, I've heard, I've been aware of this guy and you know his work and his name for a long time. But something you kind of hear about very quickly is that he took the gear that he developed, he and that that team developed, but that George did pay for and went and made Battlestar Galactica with it, which apparently was why there was a bit of a falling out between George Lucas and John Dykstra. Apparently that wasn't actually the problem. Uh, apparently John was a bit of a firebrand, a a passionate dude who um, would wear his emotions on his sleeve. And um, George was trying to create a peaceful working, a peaceful and um, stable work environment. So just apparently John was not part of that picture which is really sad because you see people talk about him and how uh, talk about how amazing he is how charismatic and how talented he was and you see him now and he just still it, like it looks awesome like he's like healthy and yeah i i'm i'm definitely gonna what rewatch all of this multiple times i feel like each episode, it's like shoving cake in your mouth for an hour. Like, you can't possibly digest that much cake. <laughs> it's um, it's crazy. And it's beautifully made. Like, Lawrence Kasdan is a talented dude, man. Go write a few Star Wars movies and then make, like, one of the best Star Wars documentaries or one of the best film documentaries ever. Go on. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the other films, really. I mean, they've mentioned Poltergeist and... Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff, but um, obviously it's been mostly Star Wars focused, and just like this, it's so cool. Like I mean, I have so much. It's weird. Like I was born in '76. So I have this nostalgia for the '70s, even though I was barely there. Of course, I don't really remember the '70s, but that vibe. I guess like you know, you were aware. You're aware of stuff at that age, and seeing that gang, you know, around in '76, putting that stuff together, it just it's heartwarming. It really is. So Light and Magic, so far, fat 10 out of 10 from me. Brilliant. All right, folks. I reckon it's time for some uh, some silly business. So let's play Name That Tune. All right. For those of you unfamiliar with Name That Tune, I have a Star Wars playlist with all the uh, Star Wars soundtracks. It's all just from the films, except for a couple of Fallen Order ones that I really like. Um I don't think it's anything from the TV shows. So basically I hit randomly I hit play on it. We see what it is and uh see what I say have to say about it. Um okay. I'm not recognizing it yet. mm uh, okay I think this might be from solo. This might be some romantic solo action. hmm. okay, I'm gonna take a look because I can't name it. Oh so this is called the good guy. This must be from on uh, Saveren right on solo. okay that was great. Let's do one let's do the next one. Ah, hang on. I mean, is this Leia's theme? I believe it is. Let's double check. Ah, you know what it's called? Han Solo and the Princess. So I guess that's Leia's theme. Um, yeah, wow. Let's turn that up a bit. I will be interested to see what Andor's musical approach is. I, to be honest, I just, I want everything to be John Williams. I just think this is Star Wars. I mean, mm, listen to that. Fantastic. All right. I could listen to this all day, but let's do another one. Ooh, yikes. It's coming in a bit hot. Huh. I haven't got a clue. Is it maybe, like, Battle on Endor stuff? I'm going to have to look. Uh, Okay. It's the Fathias from The Last Jedi. I'm a a big fan of The Last Jedi. Um, I find it a bit weird when people go on about how good the soundtrack is. I actually think it's my least favorite one. Anyway, I want to do one more. Hmm. Spookiness? Suspense? Hmm. I can't guess what this could be. Is it, is it the cave? On Dagobah? I didn't hear the... Alright, that's going to be my guess. The cave on Dagobah. Let's take a look. Oh my god! (laughs) This is Zam the Assassin and the chase through Coruscant. Okay. There you go. That's why I was not uh, really familiar with that one. Um, I had a great interview, actually. Um, If you don't listen to um, Blast Points, the podcast Blast Points check it out because um it, they're great like if you just want like a strong river of enthusiasm and positivity running through your ears they are the guys to listen to um they did a great interview with a woman who uh did a uh, a, a huge zam Wessel cosplay and it's really fun to listen to the length that she went to to um make it as accurate as possible good to hear all right uh, silly Business Part 2, let's play What's That Noise. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> that sound effect ended quite suddenly. Alright, What's That Noise? We play uh, sounds from JW, Win- w- w- day, J.W. Rinsler's incredible Sounds of Star Wars book, which has an MP3 player in it. And uh, we try to guess the sound. Let's go for the first one. I mean, it kind of sounds like the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, tractor beam being, being turned off by uh, Obi-Wan, but it's pretty, yeah. Hey, I got it right. Tom wins. All right, great. Ooh, hang on. Okay, let's try another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like a X-Wing cockpit. Oh, well, that's a TIE Fighter. Okay, maybe it's a TIE Fighter cockpit because that's a TIE Fighter sound. Coming from out there. It's a bit dark in here, and I can't see anything. Let's put my glasses on. Oh, my God. Thomas. This is raw raw podcasting, people. Ooh, yep. I guess it was the, the uh, inside and outside of a TIE fighter. That makes sense. All right, let's do another one. Let's see if we can skip forward a bit, maybe into another movie. <sighs> ah! Hang on, I gotta play it again. Oh my god, I, I cannot pick it. Hang on. It's oh, gonna drive me. Cr- oh my! I can't believe it. All right, I gotta look it up. One thirty-two. Oh, is that um the door droid? Hang on. Is that? The- it is. It's the. Droid from uh, Return of the Jedi. That makes a whole lot of sense. I want to listen to it just one more time. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah. Great stuff. Great scene. All right, folks. Let's get back to our uh, last Jedi rewatch. All right. Let's see where we're up to. I'm excited. Um. Oh. <laughs> Tom You weren't prepared for this, were you? Snoke's throne room, yo Look at this This is Star Wars goodness right here uh, It's doing that kind of like buffering thing Where it, like it, it plays on like a, low res for a while before it's like yeah now it's now it's good i don't like that low res bullshit just like yeah there you go haitian smelt look at these oh i got to mention my amazing friends amanda and peter made me an imperial officer cap cuz they're fucking the best dudes and do that Ever, um, but it's cool to see these first order caps. Also, my friend uh, Martin, he bought a new, like a late. Ah, oh, okay, I gotta pause it. That shot right there. So BB-8 is hiding in a garbage basket, waste paper basket, rubbish bin, trash can, um, and he fires the communicator out the the little hole. And Finn catches it. And that was a practical stunt. Not a stunt, really. They did that for real, man. It took like like 50 tries or something for um, John Boyega to grab it in the right way. Um, But it looks so amazing. It's so good. Here's Oscar Isaac, Mr. Cool Guy himself. Just like, I just think, like, I mean, every shot just sparkles visually, design wise, style wise. Okay, Holdo does the pipe kick, she's stunning dudes. Conics, Poe Dameron got that shit locked down. (laughs) See, 3PO. He didn't have a whole lot to do in this uh, in this movie, but he's got some good moments. Oh my god, look, I mean, it's just, it just, it just feels like super much, like, just real Star Wars to me. <laughs> I don't know, DJ, he's alright, I guess. Ah, oh, I remember in, okay, here we go. Good. Nice walkway with no handrail. That's the way it should be. That bad BB 8. My student Joe is a big fan of his. Great. Um, Captain Phasma. Ah. Oh, come on. Ah. Oh, this just makes me want to. Look at that. Sorry, I, I'm not saying anything very <laughs> cool. It's just, it's been a while since we did, uh, uh, you know, the last installment of the Last Jedi rewatch. Look, I love that door explodes and then Leia walks in in her like <laughs> hospital gown and just bam, she just like stuns the dude. shell mate. That's a great Leia moment. fantastic this is a sweet moment between these two veterans General Leia and Admiral Holdo man ah this is good stuff I'm sorry, I need to be saying more. Because <laughs> I've taken a break, now I'm just like, oh, I forgot that she said that, that's cool. Oh, it's a heartbreaker though, man. If you read the um, the book Leia, Princess of Alderan, you see that um, Holdo and Leia... Had been friends since they were teenagers, and Leia is taking off now, watching her friend get smaller and smaller as the ship takes off, knowing that she's never going to see her again, which is pretty, t- pretty tough. All right, here we go. Snoke's throne room. This is grade A. Star Wars, awesome. I'm going to turn this shit up. Andy Circus's voice and performance, great as Snoke. This set, absolutely incredible. Ah, uh, look. I don't, I don't know like what I can say here, except that this rules. <laughs> look at Snoke there. No, it looks like his his scoliosis is uh, even worse than mine. And ha! It will be your downfall. Oh, see, I think you here you've got Ray like almost My like trying to be tough enough to face this situation, <laughs> but later she actually is tough enough to face the situation. Mind, so I love this reveal here this that the Force connection they've been experiencing was no accident that it was actually snoke that that set it all in motion in the beginning that this was a setup they've they were supposed to be getting to know each other this was all a ruse to get ray to trust him so they could so that snoke could reel her in and then find out where luke was I mean, look at this. When he just like, like Ray is suspended. Give me everything, and then look, look at Kylo's face. He's like, "What have I done?" Listen to this. All right, I'm gonna pause it there because it's like very dense. This whole uh, next ten minutes of the movie, extremely dense. A lot to talk about. Ah, oh, that's so good. Again, like, I understand if there are there are things that people don't like about that movie, but it's also like, if you just go, mm, the movie sucks, it's like, you're dumb, sorry, you're a dickhead, because there's just so much about this movie that kicks total ass, so, yeah. All right, uh, I reckon we're done, man. Fun to be back, fun to be talking Star Wars. Um, oh... It, it's a bit sad when real life gets in the way of your Star Wars fun. Like, I'm actually gonna have to. I'm moving to Australia right in the middle of the of the Andor season, um, which is a bit scary. You know, when am I gonna sell this TV? When am I gonna have my new TV when I get there? What's gonna happen? Am I gonna have to watch Andor at someone else's house? I think, oh, it's yeah, makes me nervous. But uh, I'm gonna do my best um, for sure. Like, unless. It turns out to be much less awesome than I think it's going to be. I've got to be there every week talking about it. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's about three weeks till that happens. So maybe we'll hear from – you'll hear from me before then anyway. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. You are awesome. Um, May the freaking force be with you. Uh, My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. (laughs)